So Holy Spirit, would you come now and do what Jesus said you would do? Would you lead us into words of truth, words of life and hope? Maybe even remind us of the words that Jesus said? And open our hearts and minds to help understand what this verse means for us today. It's in your strong name we pray. Amen. I want to welcome those uh, watching on the podcast. I don't know where you're at, stuck in traffic, mowing that lawn, whatever you're doing. We're glad you're with us. And welcome to you uh, here in this space. If I don't know you, my name is Ryan Beatty, and I'm the director of Faith, Work, and Culture. It's a newer ministry here at Bell Prez focused on uh, how to help integrate the gospel into our lives uh, Monday through Saturday, with a particular emphasis on our working lives. Now, I don't know, maybe you're like me. Ever since I've had a wallet, I've carried around little mementos, things that I wanted to uh, hold on to to help remember, maybe places I've been, trips I've gone on, the people who are important to me. For a long time until I wore it out, I had this little receipt from this shack on this island of the Caribbean where my wife and I would rent snorkel gear, uh, where we spent part of our honeymoon. These days, I've got these uh, Disneyland passes that I carry with me from a trip. I took an April with my son. We surprised him for his 10th birthday. In about a year and a half, we'll get to add to that when my daughter turns 10. And it's a great question to ask others, too. There's a young woman on staff here who carries, uh, carries a letter that her dad wrote for her before she went off to college. And Candy Glenn, who's our amazing preschool director, in her purse she carries this little bag of jacks that her mom bought for her when she was young. It actually has someone else's name stitched on it. She got it at a thrift shop. She said when things get a little stressful, she'll clear a spot in her desk and and play some jacks. It's this game, you know, where you bounce the ball and try and grab as many of those little three-dimensional stars before the ball comes back down. And she said when she plays, it's like she can still feel the heat on the side of her leg from when she would sit as a little girl playing jacks, waiting on the front porch of her house for her dad, the, the colonel, to come home from work. What about all of you? Are there things that you carry with you in your purse or your wallet, maybe a piece of jewelry that reminds you of people, places, experiences that you want to hold on to that are important to you? Well, I think ideas can function the same way. Things that maybe we read or, or hear, things that we learn that have proved to be sources of wisdom, comfort, encouragement, maybe motivation, that we hang on to. We're in the middle of a series called Words We Live By, where we asked you to submit Bible verses, life verses, that have become important to you on your spiritual journey, things that you want to recall and remember. And today, we've heard it already, we get to look at this incredible verse from Isaiah, One of the most inspirational passages in all of Scripture, promising God's faithfulness to his people. And I'm going to read it, but I'm going to back up just two verses and start in Isaiah 40, 27, just to give a little more context. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. And I just want to pause and say, I love that that's in the Bible, because I can relate to that so much. I don't know if you can. Those times when you feel like your way is hidden from God. In his response in verse 28, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths, youths here symbolizing stamina and energy, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men symbolizing strength, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, 
They will walk and not be faint. Well, if we were to try and take those verses and summarize them down to maybe a single word that we could put on a card or on a bracelet, something that we could carry around with us all the time, I would vote for the word hope. Hope. Which is a little surprising once we understand the historical context that Isaiah is written in. This is not a time of a lot of hope for the people of Israel. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah are pretty much doom and gloom. God pronouncing judgment over a nation that's turned away from him. Isaiah is written to a people who are either already in exile or who are about to go into exile. They're making deals with Egypt just to try and get some kind of protection. They're fighting for their lives as a nation. It's not a time of a lot of hope. Where is God? But then in chapter 40, everything changes. Not in their circumstances, but in the message that God is speaking to them through Isaiah. All of a sudden now he begins to speak these words of deep comfort and consolation over the nation. Isaiah begins to call the people to become a nation, a people of hope. Through the rest of Isaiah, we read these prophecies about a Messiah who's going to come, a suffering servant who will set the people free, who will bring salvation to God's people. And of course, we see this fulfilled in the life of Jesus that we read about in the Gospels. It's hope. Now, I know we live in very different circumstances, very different circumstances, but I'm not sure that we're not at risk of being a people forgetting how to hope, at least the kind of hope that Isaiah talks about, which is odd because we talk about hope quite a bit, right? We say, I hope you have a good day. I say to my kids, I hope that test goes well at school. I hope you have fun over at your friend's house. I hope Russell Wilson will finally sign a contract. Okay, now I wrote that on Thursday in my talk, and then Friday he signed a contract, but it was too late to take it out, so you're just going to have to pretend that we're still hoping until for another 42 minutes. Well, even in difficult circumstances, we talk often of hope, right? I hope the interview goes well. I hope you can get that job. I hope the report from the doctor comes back good. I hope someday you'll find somebody who can really love you. Now, the problem is, as I see it, is that all too often the things that we either put our own hope in or that, in a sense, we call our friends and our family to put their hope in, even though they can be good things, they're things that the Bible is pretty clear will not last. They're things that will eventually fade and grow weary in our lives. And what Isaiah is calling us to is this radical hope and the one who says, I never grow tired, I never grow weary. As I was preparing to speak this week, I had this image in my mind of of Isaiah 40, this chapter. Imagine it's like a giant mural and there's different scenes, like it's a collage of all these different scenes showing the God revealed in this chapter. We can't go over all of them, but in our mural, we would see God as comforter, as deliverer, as the one who actually pays for our sins. Isaiah says, he raises the valleys up, he brings the mountains and the high places down low, he smooths out the rough areas of our lives. He is glorious. And compared to him, people, all people, are like flowers and grass that will wither. 
He's sovereign in his power. He's like a warrior, but also this shepherd who gathers the people together in his arms. He requires no advice or counsel from any person. Isaiah describes him as the God who, who took the palm of his hand and he measured water in it and then he poured it over the surface of the earth. He stretched all the stars across the heavens, knows each one of their names. Not one of them is forgotten. He is the king above all kings. Compared to him, all princes and rulers on the earth, they're like dust. He's the everlasting God, the everlasting God, who says, I never tire or weary. And in fact, for those who put their hope, their trust in me, I will renew their strength, even as they face incredible challenges. Now, if we look at that mural, if we can see it kind of in our mind's eye, now imagine if all those different scenes began to, to kind of move and converge on each other until eventually they form into a single image, a portrait. And this is what we see in the New Testament in the life of Jesus. Jesus really is this living portrait of what we see in Isaiah 40 and throughout the rest of the book. The Bible tells us that Jesus was with God at the creation of the earth, that all things were spoken by him into creation. And like our verse that we're looking at today, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the sheep know my voice. And ultimately, ultimately, because of the life that Jesus lived, on our behalf and the death he died that we could not die for ourselves, he becomes our ultimate and eternal hope, our source of salvation. Can you feel that? That's the deep hope that we're called to. Now, we have to be careful because that eternal hope is something that we can get caught up in and, and looking at and hoping in and that's good. But throughout history, Christians have often sort of sat back and looked at that amazing eternal hope in a way that maybe God doesn't want us to. Because the hope that we see in the Bible, it's not a passive hope, but it's an active hope. It's a hope that has inspired Christians throughout millennia to live amazing lives of hope, bringing, being purveyors of hope, literally, into a world that needs it. It's why I love the Jubilee Service Day so much, where because of the hope that we have in Jesus, we choose to go out and spread that hope through acts of service, to teachers and schools and families, in a world that's, that's desperate for hope, a world that is at risk of forgetting how to hope. Now, you might be listening and saying, okay, B, I get it. I, I love the picture of hope that you're putting before us. I want to feel that hope. You know, I love that idea. But you don't know my story. And it's true. If we were to stop and, and go around this room or somehow talk through the podcast, we would hear... Stories of pain and suffering, brokenness, stories of loneliness, or maybe just stories of, of boredom at the monotony of life, of life not maybe being what you thought it would be. Stories that cause us to question whether our lives are hidden from God and whether he's disregarded our cause. But this is why I'm so thankful for communities of faith like Bell Prez, where we can hear stories, testimonies of how God has been faithful to bring joy and inspiration into people's lives in spite of some incredibly challenging circumstances, even to the point where they're inspiring others. And we're going to stop and watch a story about that now.
One of my and my mom's favorite verses is Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. My mom struggled with the bonds of multiple sclerosis for nearly her entire adult life and was quadriplegic for the last several years of her life. I don't believe that God intended for mom to have MS or to be quadriplegic, but he sure did use her in very fruitful and productive ways. In spite of being confined to a wheelchair and requiring constant care, my mom was always sharing her love and faith with everybody. Mom was in intensive care the last few days of her life. She and all of us knew that she would soon be going to heaven. In a letter to my dad, a very good friend said, what a bittersweet moment when we were allowed back into Fran's room to finally say goodbye, knowing that we would never see her again in this life, and yet so joyful inside for her that she was so close to seeing Jesus face to face. It took three or four attempts on her part to get us to understand that she wanted me to pray. I don't recall all that I said, but I know I prayed for comfort and peace and His will in His precious saint's life. I'm so glad I continued looking at her because her final words to me, bless me beyond beyond. She said, see you later. She was so right, so full of hope. And the next time we will see her, she will be totally healed, walking and leaping and praising God. Mom looked forward to being with the Lord, gaining renewed strength, soaring on wings like eagles, running and not growing weary, walking and not being faint. The friend who uh, wrote the letter that Bob read in the video was named Till, and uh, her family, of course, was very close to Bob's family. And she had a son uh, named Ben, and when Ben was young, uh, he came to her, he said he was struggling to understand why Grandma Fran had to suffer so much. And like any of us would, she struggled to come up with an answer, and ideas of trying to grapple with how a God who's so powerful can be with us in the midst of suffering and the pain of a broken world. I mean, they're difficult for us to understand, let alone a young child. Uh, but then she said, Ben, Grandma Fran is like a caterpillar. And that she ha- she has, this caterpillar lived an amazing life and blessed many others, brought joy to so many. But at some point in her life, as she grew older, a cocoon began to form itself around and wrap itself around her body, constricting her movement and taking away her health. And he said, but at the same time, While that was happening, on the inside, something even more beautiful was growing. And that one day, she'd be free to fly and soar like a butterfly with the God who she loved so deeply and she knew loved her. And that seemed to help. It's a simple story, but it seemed to help him understand. But But then he said a pretty amazing thing. He said, Mom, we all have cocoons, don't we? We all have cocoons, don't we? And he's right. We do, whether it's through circumstances outside of our control, things in our life that unexpectedly happen, maybe it's through illness, things like that, but also through 
thing, the cocoons can, we can wrap around ourselves through our own actions, the things that we begin to put our hope in, that we put our weight on and put our trust in, that we know will eventually not, not hold up. They will fade. They will fail. And so we need the hope that Isaiah calls us to, what we see in chapter 40. We need the hope that we see in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And we need the hope that we see in the life of people like Fran, who I think challenges us today to ask the question, how's your hope? What, what kind of hope are you carrying with you? I love what Jane said about the importance of spending time with God. And so I want to challenge you with a couple things as we wrap up. And the first is spend some time with Isaiah this week. Read chapter 40 several times. And take a risk that when you're done reading, pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and encounter you in that space. And maybe it's to renew a hope that you felt like you once had but has faded or been covered up by other things. Or if you feel like, man, I love that hope, I feel it right now, maybe there's someone in your life, maybe there's a coworker or a classmate or a neighbor that you know is struggling. Take a risk and ask the Holy Spirit to bring hope into their lives and then watch for ways to help and participate in that. Or maybe for some of you, it's taking a chance and, and saying, Jesus, I want to understand this eternal hope that we have in you. Holy Spirit, come and help me see this, maybe for the first time. It's Anointing Prayer Sunday, and uh, as we take communion and after the service, there'll be ministers available around the room. And so if anything in the talk maybe inspired you or challenged you, I encourage you, go to one of them. Don't, don't leave without taking a chance and praying with one of them. And maybe if, if that feels a, a little daunting, I'm going to close now with, with, uh, and just pray for you now. Will you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful for the testimony of Fran's life, who even after uh, she has left this space and is now with you, her story still is inspiring and bringing joy. And for those who are struggling in any way with this, this question of hope, where does my hope lie? I pray that you would meet us now and in this week. Restore to us the joy of our salvation or open our eyes for the first time to see the hope that a God who says, I will never grow tired or weary of you. Let me come and renew you. I pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.